and uh, I was going to mention too the, the Mad Hatters and uh, I believe they had a great time yesterday, maybe we should pray for, for motivation to exercise this week and uh, burn off the calories, but chocolate's good for you isn't it? There, oh there we are, um, yeah I believe they really enjoyed the blessings that God has given us of taste buds and all things chocolate, um, fantastic, that was a great time I heard. I didn't go on that one. Oh, I should have snuck in. The pastor can go, can't he? Awesome. I'm going to move on. <laughs> oh, there we are. Yeah. Children, ducks, oompa loompas. Okay. There we are. Any more there before I get distracted? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Fantastic. This morning, we're continuing our journey looking at what on earth am I here for? What has God placed you on this earth for? Why are we here? Uh, looking at the Sermon on the Mount, uh, God, I just pray that you would inspire us, Lord, that you would, Lord, renew our minds this morning as we look at your word. God, we thank you for your spirit that's here in this room today. I just ask that you would use my words to, to bring comfort, to bring encouragement, Lord, to, to sharpen us, Lord, for your glory and for your purposes, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you this morning to start off with what do you fear? What do you fear? What's the, the greatest fears in your life? Maybe it's spiders, maybe it's mice. Um, actually, there goes one now. It's just under the seat. Just, just, just kidding, Sam. Sorry. <laughs> Sam really tucked the figs up. Anyway, maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's small spaces, maybe it's falling, maybe it's uh, winter, maybe it's getting swooped by magpies that I can see out there. I wonder what your greatest fears are in life. We can fear all kinds of things. We can fear dying. We can fear all kinds of weird phobias there are in this life. But I wonder, has has anyone ever been afraid that they loved someone too much? Probably not, but maybe if you were courting a future boyfriend or girlfriend, spouse, you may have sort of had that fear of, whoops, did I cross the line? Did I, did I express it too soon, too much? Did I push them away with my love? Anyone else have a feel that? A few nods, yeah, yeah, okay, lots of nods now. But I don't think we very often fear loving too much. We don't fear being too generous very often. We don't fear being too kind or serving too much very often. Sometimes we have fears for those we love, fears Maybe that they're sick, maybe fears about the choices they're making, or fears about their safety. But fear is a feeling induced by a perceived danger or threat. Have you ever watched a a one or two-year-old? I've watched a few one or two-year-olds in the last few years. And have you ever watched the way they play? They have no fear. Just yesterday, uh, I'm trying to think what he did. Caleb, he, he just like ran along and just jumped on the ground and I thought wow I would never do that it's like because I know my, my I'd hurt my back it's like my leg would hurt you know they, they jump off something really high and you know that feeling when you land too hard and it sort of shocks all the way through your leg everyone knows what I mean yeah we, we know the pain that causes I remember watching Sally when she was one year old we were building our house and there's all these um, stacks of plaster in the house and she's running along the top of this plaster and we've sort of been playing this game where she runs off and I catch her. She runs off and I catch her. But I'm standing up this end now and she's standing up that end and she just starts running going, and she's running for the edge. And I think, she thinks I'm going to catch her. I better move. So I, I caught her and it was okay. But kids that age just have no fear. They have no perception 
or feeling induced by perceived danger or threat. But chances are we have all been hurt. We've all done things that were really silly. We've injured ourselves. And to different levels, we, we understand that the world, we, we can either say we, the, the world maybe is not always safe, or we can go to the extreme of saying the world is a dangerous place. That was <coughs> my, my throat, I just couldn't get the low note there. But we can, we can come to a, a revelation, we can come to a, a decision that the world is a dangerous place and, and shrink back from the world. We can do anything we can at times even, potentially, to try and escape or distract ourselves from the pain or from our fear, our perception of danger or threat in this life. And at times people do things that we think, what were they thinking? Why would they ever do that? But sometimes people get to a point where anything that will help numb that fear, that pain from the past or the fear of the future, that they'll do anything to numb that pain. Maybe you've wrestled with a, a habit or something in your life, even this week, that you just feel like you need to escape, you need to get away from that fear, that, that, that pain. But this morning I believe God wants you to know that He is able to set you free. You don't have to live in that place of fear, you don't have to live in that place of, of fear of the past or pain in the past or fear of the future. I believe God can and God wants to set people free from that this morning. This morning we're going to look at the next part of the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to look at Jesus' words to his disciples. We're going to talk about genuine trust. Remember this series we're looking at, it's, it's Jesus, he's called the disciples up on the mountain with him to, to, to teach them. And we've talked about genuine success and genuine impact and genuine obedience and genuine worship. And today we're going to talk about genuine trust. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to people that have, have faith in who he is. And in, in our context, we know that by faith in Jesus Christ, we are saved. By faith in him, we are new creations. And Jesus has made us new. He's made us different. We're called to be salt and light, as I spoke about a few weeks ago. Let's read from Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. And again, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to stay there a bit and look around. So I encourage you to open up Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. If you haven't got your Bible, it's on the screen. You've got the cheat sheets. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. 
That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more, far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make cl their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your, Father, your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. I wonder, what's your most treasured possessions? I wonder what your most, if, you, if your house was on fire, you had 30 seconds to grab something in the house. I wonder where you'd go, what you'd grab, what you'd do in that moment. Maybe you'd grab the photos. Maybe you'd grab that hard drive with the photos stored on it. Maybe you'd grab that family heirloom that just reminds you of your great aunt or whoever it was. I wonder what your most treasured possession is. Maybe it's, who knows, whatever it is. Chances are you keep it somewhere safe, somewhere where you hope it will not be broken, you, it won't be stepped on, it won't be destroyed. Chances are you don't stuff all your money under your mattress to keep it safe. If you do, please don't say anything right now. Uh, we don't want to know about that. We have a choice in this life. We can store up treasure for ourselves. We can have, have treasure of enjoyment and pleasure. We can store up treasures for others to try and appease or please or impress others. Or we can store up treasures in heaven for, for God to honour Him. And we will not be disappointed. We will never be disappointed because there is no rust or, or thief that can break or destroy our treasures in heaven. What happens when you, you, you store your treasures somewhere? Let's say you, you, you get your precious chocolate and you put it up on that third shelf in the cupboard and then you're over in the lounge room and you see your three-year-old son walk in the kitchen and into the cupboard and open the door and you can see his eyes are looking at the third shelf. Where does your attention go? You're reading the book and suddenly you're going, he's looking at my chocolate. It's like your focus is where your treasure is. When you go out on holidays, chances are you might, if you're going for a long time, you get someone to look after the house. You get someone to keep an eye on things and make sure things are okay. If you someone who buys stocks on the stock market, not that I've ever done that, I imagine you watch the stock market and go, how's it going? Is it going okay? Do I need to sell? Do I need to buy some more? If you've got kids in a school, you, you pay attention to what's happening at school to make sure your kids are safe. You pay attention to the news to hear what people are trying to teach in schools and you pray because we care about where our treasure is. And the reality is we can so easily, the thing we start, we're trusting in, we can begin to worry about even. 
If we trust in ourselves, we're going to at times have fear. Maybe I can't do this. If, we, if we're trusting in ourselves, we fear, well, but what if this happens? What if that happens to me? What if, what if someone doesn't like it? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And we have fear if we trust in ourselves. If we trust in others, we, we're always going to be thinking, what do they think about me? Are, are they happy with how I'm doing? Are they, do they like me? Do they accept me? If our trust is in others. But if our trust is in God, it is finished. Jesus has done it all. If our trust is in God, we can know that God has done it all. He loves us. There is nothing more you have to do to earn his forgiveness. Jesus has done it all. You might not feel worthy. You might trip and stumble along the way sometimes. But if our trust is in God, it does not matter what happens in this life. It is finished. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. It is finished. If our trust is in God, nothing can overcome his love for us. I want to ask you this morning, whose hands is your treasure in? Whose hands are your life in? Is your life in? Is it in your own hands? Are you trying to look after your own life? Are you trying to be your own God? Is is your hands in the is your life in the hands of others around you? That you're just trying to please people? Or is your life in the hands of God and saying, God, just use me, direct me, show me the way. I'm going to trust you and I'm just going to go where you lead me, Lord. Jesus says in verse 22, he says, Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep the darkness is. In other words, what we focus on makes an impact. Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you treasure money, your eyes are going to be on money. Your, your focus is going to be on money, and that's going to influence the way you live your life. If your treasure is all about what do people think about me, you're always going to try, be going to try to please people. Your focus is going to be on pleasing people and not on pleasing God. If you trust in yourself, it's so easy to become prideful or selfish. If you trust in others, it's so easy to become a people pleaser. It's important what we focus on. When I was a, a track cyclist, I'm riding on velodromes that are 44 degrees on the ends on the track, and you've got 20 or 30 riders riding around this 250-meter velodrome, and you're going flat out 50, 60 k's an hour on a bike that doesn't have brakes. It's important what you focus on. You're looking for the gaps. You're watching two, three bike links in front. And you're thinking, where am I going to go next? And not only are you trying to survive, you're trying to win the race. Like I remember the first few times I raced in Melbourne on the, on the proper velodrome, and it's so steep and it's so scary. And it was just about survival. I'm going, I just want to survive this race. I don't care where I come. I just want to survive. But then as I started to try and win the race, you're looking for the gap. In the last five laps, you, you see a little gap open up and you focus on it and you just put yourself there and trust that God will keep you upright and you'll survive. It's important what we focus on. People say that if you're, you're in a car and you're heading towards a crash, don't look where you don't want to go, look where you want to go. And somehow it helps you steer in the right direction and it's more likely that you'll end up there. 
in this passage before that, um, that someone looked at last week. He talks about not doing things to be admired for others' praise, but doing our good deeds in secret. And he talks about fasting. When we fast, do it privately. Don't make it public. You know, I think fasting is a great thing to do. But if I'm really honest, I think many of you know this, I love food. And fasting's been like this thing that I think, well, yep, that's, that's a good thing to do. But for a long time, I don't think I ever really caught what fasting was about. Uh, now, I think fasting is probably not an uncommon thing. I think if we did a little survey right now and said, who skipped a meal at least once in this last week? Who, who fasted a meal in this last week? Probably quite a few hands would go up. But chances are, and maybe if we, we made it across Colac, if we did a survey, who, who, who went without a meal at one point through the last week, I think we'd find a lot of people that skipped a meal. But chances are their fasting wasn't to stop and to pray. It was so we could get another job done. You, you, you ever done that? Yeah. It's like, I, I'm just, I, don't, I, I don't do it very often at all, I've got to say. I don't uh, go without food to get more done because I know at the end of the day I'll be wrecked. But I think a lot of people fast, but it's just to get a little bit more done, just to do a little bit more, just so I can do something a little bit better. But biblical fasting is not about just not eating. Biblical fasting is not about just getting more work done. It's about stopping and praying. It's about putting aside a time and instead of just feeding our physical body that we stop and feed ourselves spiritually. It's to remind ourselves that we do not live by bread alone, but by the very word of God. It's about reminding us that our stomach is not the boss. As much as it might be grumbling right now if you didn't have breakfast this morning and you're going, Andrew, stop talking about food, I'm starving. But our stomach is not the boss. It's about a chance to stop and re renew our mind and say, God, you are my source, you are my provider, you are my strength. And God's prompted me in this last few weeks about fasting. And maybe you, if you want to fast for the first time, you might want to just think, well, Lord, I'm going to miss Levensies this morning. I'm going to just go skip my morning cup of tea, my morning biscuit, and I'm just going to fast. I'm going to stop for that five minutes that I'd normally be eating and drinking, and I'm just going to pray. I'm going to remind this physical body that Christ is in charge, that He is the Lord of all. He is my source. And it's amazing the difference that fasting can make. It can be a challenge, as I like food, as I said. And it may be a challenge for you. But as you read through the Scriptures, it's not a, a question of will you fast. The biblical pattern is that when you fast, he says, do it like this. It changes our focus. It changes our perception of things. I don't know if anyone saw the Sugar movie on TV the other day. Um, it was interesting and how our brain can be rewired and, and just ruled by our stomach. But our stomach is not the boss. I'll move on. Verse 24, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. And he goes on to say, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look, the birds of the air, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? 
Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? What's Jesus trying to say? It, it can sound pretty tough, especially if you're in a place where you're struggling to get any one of those things. But Jesus is not saying, stop trying to feed your family. He, he's not saying, you don't need these things. Jesus is saying, God loves you. God loves you so much. You might go through struggles, but God is trustworthy. If he allows you to go through it, thank him for giving you the strength. The Bible tells us that he will never allow testing to, become, to be too great for us to endure. And if he's allowed you to go through the circumstance, thank him that he is going to strengthen you for this situation and circumstance that you're going through. God loves you. He's not saying you don't know, need these things. He's saying, trust me. Will you trust me? I love you. You might not see the end of this, but trust me, I love you. You might not understand how this is going to work out, but trust me because I love you. I think of Job and I think, I'm pretty sure he didn't understand how God was going to use those things for his glory. He's going through terrible suffering. And yet he, he doesn't, he refuses to curse God and die. He, he remains faithful to trust in God. And he's so blessed in the end. God pours out a, a double blessing upon Job. I think in my life, I would never have guessed four years ago that God would allow me to break my back and then let it be healed miraculously. And then that, that would then stir faith in others to be prayed for that they too would be healed. I, I didn't see that coming. I didn't think about that. Well, I tried to find maybe an idea of that. In the moment, it was painful. It was agony. I thought, God, why did you let this happen? Sometimes we don't understand it. I would never have guessed 10 years ago when we lost our first unborn baby in a miscarriage that how God would use that to minister to others, even this week, be able to share the pain of those who've gone through the same thing and be able to minister God's love into that situation and that circumstance. God loves you he is trustworthy let's thank him and praise him for his love he's not saying you don't need food you don't need clothes you don't need this you don't need that he's saying but trust me trust me he's simply saying God cares for the birds God cares for the flowers of the field and he cares for you so much more so much more Will you trust him with a genuine trust? Not that a trust that's sort of like, okay, I'm going to add Jesus to my life because he's like a little lucky charm. If I have Jesus in my life, things will go better. No, that's not trust. Jesus says, if you, if you try and keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will find it. Trust in Jesus is total trust. Trust in, trust in Jesus is saying, God, I re recognize I have nothing to offer, nothing to give, but you love me and I entrust my life to you. Will you trust him? He goes on to say in verse 31, So don't worry about these things, what we will eat, what we will drink, what we will wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. 
Jesus is saying, focus on living for me, on loving people, on sharing the love of God with others. Wherever we go, whatever we do, that we would trust him, that we would be his light and his salt in that place. Not diluted, not watered down, not covered by our basket, but that we would shine for his glory, that we would be the salt of the earth. I want to finish by reading two passages. First one from Psalm 37. It says, Do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will do this. He will make your righteousness, your, your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it only leads to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. In a little while, a little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose ways are upright. But their swords will pierce their own hearts, and their bows will be broken. Better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of many wicked. For the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The blameless spend their days under the Lord's care, and their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster they will not wither, in days of famine they will enjoy plenty. But the wicked will perish Though the Lord's enemies are like the flowers of the field, they will be consumed, they will go up in smoke. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Those the Lord blesses will inherit the land, but those he curses will be destroyed. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Maybe you need to read through Psalm 37 a a few times this week if this is you. And just finally from Isaiah chapter 40. This has been one of my favorite verses. It was one of the verses I read uh, that Deidre gave me in kids' church years and years and years ago before I had any care for God and then found years later. And uh, it changed my life when I read these verses. It says, Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. 
They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Those who hope in the Lord, those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. Maybe you're struggling today with anxiety, with fear, depression, with pain from the past. But today I want to ask, would you let us pray for you? I don't want anyone to be humiliated anyway. I just want to ask if people would just close their eyes. Just to close your eyes. I just want to pray this morning for those that you know you, you want God to set you free from those fears, from those pains, from the worry, from the anxiousness, whatever it is this morning. I believe God is able to set you free. I want to pray for you, and maybe even as I pray for you, if that's you and you're sitting beside with someone that you, you want to just say, hey, you know that's me and I'd love you to pray for me too. Maybe you just want to just tap them on the shoulder, just tap them on the, on the knee and just say, hey, would you pray for me? Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your love for each and every person here today. God, we thank you that you've told us that we don't have to worry about what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear. Because God, you love us. You love us beyond our comprehension. Your love for us is so amazing and so deep. And Lord, I just pray right now that you'd bring revelation, Lord. That you'd bring revelation that would just cut off that fear. That it would just cut off that anxiousness, Lord. We just pray, Lord, that you might intervene in that thinking. That, Lord, you might create a new pathway in the brain that would turn to you, Lord God, and would not focus on the problem, but, Lord, it would look to you. God, I just pray that you would renew our minds, even as you've promised you will do. That, Lord, you would reprogram our minds to, to think on your goodness and just begin to thank you for your love. When we're tempted to, to, to worry, when we're tempted to go back to our old way of thinking, Lord, just let praise stir in our hearts because you love us, Lord, unconditionally. That, Lord, that no power of hell, no scheme of man will ever separate us from your love. Nothing can ever separate us from your love. For anyone who turns to you, you will not turn away. God, I just thank you for bringing victory, Lord, for people in their lives today. Lord, for each one of us, that we would not feel we need to turn to other things to distract ourselves or, Lord, to, to escape from those things. But, Lord, we would turn to you. That, Lord, we would trust, have a genuine trust in you. And God, I just pray for anyone this morning that maybe for the first time they've realized that you love them. As Matt shared about what you did upon the cross, that they've realized for the first time that you died on the cross for our sin. And that you want us to put our trust in you. To no longer trust in ourselves or to trust in the approval of others but simply to thank you for your love and put our trust and our faith in you. Lord, I pray that they would, right now, that you can make that decision if that's you. You can have your sin forgiven, you can have your sin washed away and know that you are clean, that you are a new creation, the Bible says, by faith in Jesus Christ. All of heaven rejoices the moment one person puts their faith in Jesus for the first time. 
God, we just want to say thank you for your love for us this morning. Lord, I just pray that day by day, moment by moment, that you would help us to be mindful of you. We thank you, Lord, on this Pentecost Sunday, Lord, that you have sent your Holy Spirit to lead us, to, to, to prompt us, to bring counsel to our mind throughout the day. And we just thank you, Lord, for leading us and using us for your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We have an amazing God. Are we going to close with a song? Um, I love this song. Higher than the mountains that we face, stronger than the power of the grave, one thing remains. Is that the next line? Can we stand this morning? And as I said, I don't want anyone to be humiliated. And there's no shame in, in, in if we've had fear. There's no shame in feeling anxious. We want to be brothers and sisters in Christ that are quick to pray for one another. And this morning, if you would like someone to come and pray with you, I just want to encourage you to either turn to the person beside you and, hey, say, yeah, can you pray for me? Or maybe you want to come, maybe you want to come down the front as we sing this song. And we'd love to come around and pray with you this morning. We're family. Let's, let's be family and love each other with the same love that God has loved us with. Thanks, guys.